Good evening, folks. Good evening, everyone. And let me um, let me share a uh, prayer. Father, I just thank you. I praise your holy name, Lord God. I pray you would just um, bless every person here. Lord, guide them, bless them, and uh, open up their hearts to receive your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, Psalm 139. So, uh, starting from verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. He's talking about people who are blaspheming God. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. So essentially, what David is talking about here is his love for God is so much. And of course, God is just anybody that hates God. Uh, clearly, David uh, hates them. Because if you think about it, right, um, anybody, someone couldn't say that about a person. Oh, anybody that hates me. No, you can't say that that person is wrong. I could be wrong. I could, but because God is so righteous, David is essentially saying, anybody that hates you, God, I hate because I love righteousness. They are wrong. Let God be true and every man be a liar. Okay, God be true. I mean, nobody actually says, well, God, let me hear your version of it. I'll dictate. I mean, nobody does that. Come on. You could do that with me, right? Because I'm not perfectly righteous. But nobody said, God, well, you know, I'm trying to decide who's right and who's wrong between you and the other people. Let me hear what you have to say. I hear what they know. You don't need to do that because God is totally righteous. So in this psalm, David, what David is really saying then is that David has a correct perspective on God versus people, right? On, on God versus people. And you never see uh, a play in scripture. David will say that how much he wants to hurt people and things like that, but you never see a place where David gets God out of perspective, even when God, even when God is going to actually um, punish David for numbering the men. And he asked David, which punishment do you want? What does David say? God, you are just, you decide. You decide. So David has got a correct perspective on God. If I was to, to actually say, what does the life of David um, personify about God is a correct perspective in good times and bad times. 
And that's the most important thing, bad times. An unbeliever, if an unbeliever gets a blessing from God, oh yeah, this God is, he's, hey, he's a good guy, right? While well, it's blessing them, but it's the actual, um, it's the, the full perspective of God's character, right? In blessing, in judging, right? Is righteousness, uh, um, when he denies a prayer for whatever reason. And so David then, it doesn't matter how many of these men that David are talking about, shedding bloodshed, who are uh, doing this, that God is right and they are wrong for the simple reason being is the way that they're blaspheming God. And then we get down to um, 23, Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So God is like a mirror. God is someone that David trusts implicitly right? Search me. Take a look inside of my spirit, inside of my character, and know my heart. It's very easy to say to a friend, right? Am I a good guy? Well, I mean, your friend is so incredibly limited, right? Your friend is so incredibly limited. But when you say that to God, when you say that to God, and your friend would probably, well, your friend, yeah, you're a good guy, of course. But what David is actually really saying here, put me under a microscope. Clearly, your friend can't put you under a microscope. Take a look at me. Is there anything wrong inside of me? Anything that I need to change? And that's really the greatest development you can have is when you're candid before God, when you are completely transparent, right, before God, when you actually say, you know what, I am not afraid of what you are going to tell me, what you are going to show me. I mean, at the end of the day, a friend, friends only know you to the extent that you want to be known. I don't care how long that they, uh, uh, you've known it. They only know you to the extent that they want to be known. I was watching this thing on Netflix the other day about that Ariel uh, Castro had the three women in his basement. He was having cookouts, family over, all kinds of stuff, right? People were so surprised. What? Yes, three people in his basement. Friends only know you to the extent that you want to be known. So you can say to a friend, oh, am I, a good guy? Am I this? Am I that? And you know what? All they can give you is a limited answer. But David says, search me, oh God, and know my heart. What is my heart like? What? is wrong in my heart. Try me and know my anxious 
thoughts, right? So what would it be that I am afraid of? Because you don't want to have anxious thoughts. What's causing my anxiety, Lord God? What is kind of making things go bump in the night, right? And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in, in the everlasting way. Clearly, lead me in this righteousness. As I said, in order for you to be all that you are called to be by God, you have to give God a invitation into looking inside of you. He's not just going to take that. You should ask God, God, know me. I give you an invitation to come and take a look inside of me. Talking about that movie, I can only, I can only imagine is this guy had a girl, essentially, he ended up marrying her, but he grew up with her, right? And he just couldn't get it together. He couldn't connect to her. And, you know, in the movie, if you've seen the movie, he does call and, and tells her. He's, in fact, he's been calling her for a long time. She doesn't want to know. She's tired of being hurt. But he does call this one time and he says, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Because... He got a perspective like this. See this? See this? Uh, see if there be any, try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Well, there was a hurtful way in him. There was a hurtful way in him. And he kept hurting this girl. He eventually ended up uh, marrying her but he had to get his soul right. You have to get your soul right. This is what David is asking for. Search me. Well, search what? Search my pockets? No. Search my drawers? No. Search the content of my safe? No. Search my soul. Search my soul. I do not know. God, I'm not going to say I am all set. You know why? I don't know that I am all set. You know, my family of origin, clearly David had a father, Jesse. Oh, David's probably has some low self-esteem because of that. I mean, Jesse paraded every son out in front of Samuel, right, to be anointed king. And then Samuel like, don't you have another son? And yes, so David was the last in Jesse's mind. Must have had some low self-esteem. You know, clearly. Anybody's been through trauma, and as they said, trauma doesn't necessarily have to be full-on combat trauma. I mean, Bart, the guy in, I can only imagine, went through trauma. I mean, the last time he saw his dad, before his dad cooked breakfast for him, his dad broke a plate over his head. Really, broke a dinner plate over his head. He talked about with his dad, right? His dad beat him so badly, he could only sleep on one side. I mean, his dad, in fact, actually, 
He referred to his dad in the movie as a monster. A monster. And by the way, Dennis Quaid, who plays that, is a real good guy. He's actually a Christian in real life. But he refers to his dad as a monster. His dad was bitter. I don't know what happened with his dad's family of origin. But his dad was bitter that his dream of playing football didn't come through. And he had this blue-collar job that you could tell he hated every day of it. But what did his dad have? His dad had a diseased soul. David is asking, is my soul diseased? Well, I even know if it's diseased because it's my normal. You can justify anything in your own mind. The heart is desperately wicked. Who could know it? You know something, you, I'm gonna say this now. Um, if somebody, typically, if somebody's gonna betray someone, they would probably only know at the time of that betrayal. You know why? In your mind, you want to feel good about yourself. So what do you do? You lie to yourself. Right? No, I would never do that. I would never, ever betray a friend. You wouldn't. That's why when scripture says the heart is desperately wicked, who could know it? I almost guarantee you, if they would have said a week before uh, Judas, uh, they would have asked Judas a week before he betrayed Christ, would you ever do something like that? No way. I love the law. Really, this is why. We have to know what's going on inside of us because everybody wants to feel good about themselves. And when people get the truth about themselves that doesn't make them feel good, they get upset. They have a tendency to reject it. They have a tendency, in fact, most people would even be afraid to pray this prayer. Afraid of finding out of God, of them seeing something that they wouldn't want to find out. Search me, oh Lord. Oh my word. No, don't search me. Oh, I'll show you this. We want to put our best foot forward, right? Nobody wants to show their greatest misses. When have you ever seen an album, Greatest Misses? You see greatest hits all the time. We want to put our best foot forward. No, don't search me, oh Lord. I'll show you what I got, right? I'll show you what I got. Because most people, here's what they're doing, is in their own mind, they're actually lying to themselves. I'm good. I'm all set. Because they prefer to feel good than to actually be good, right? They prefer to feel good and to be good. And here's what you do to feel good. You just lie to yourself. Shakespeare said, to your own self, be true. To your own self, be true. Because you can only truly know yourself and live a life that is blessed. The abundant life is if you come to terms with yourself, about yourself. That's the only way you should want to know 
yourself. You should want to know what's wrong. You shouldn't want to put up any resistance because putting up resistance to the truth of what's going on inside of you is gonna make you feel good in the moment, but it's gonna make you sad long-term. The truth sets you free. You should not want to resist the truth. You should not want to resist that light shining in on your soul. And what needs to be fixed is the great thing, is the great news, is that regardless of what is wrong with your soul, we have got a God, you know what? He doesn't recall, he fixes, doesn't recall, he fixes, really, he fixes. What could be worse than David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, killer, right? I mean, come on. I mean, his soul was so twisted. His next door neighbor, Sam Carr, had a dog that he believed was sending him messages to kill people. And you know what he did? Use a bulldog revolver, humongous caliber bullet, humongous, blows people heads off. I mean, really, folks, it does. And what he would do after he shot them, he would remain in the crowd. Yes, there was a group from the 70s called the Partridge family, David Cassidy. He would have the Cassidy family song, the song, I Think I Love You, playing on the stereo, being all excited about all of the chaos he has caused. I mean, a man clearly with a very, very sick soul. Guess what? He let the Lord him and the Lord fixed his soul. God can fix your soul. Really, that should be the prayer of all of us. Search me, O Lord. Let me know. Let me know what's going on with my soul. Why am I sad? Let me take, you should want to know. You should want to know why you are sad. Oh, I just get sad sometimes. No, no, do not, never ever think that there is not a cause. You just have not connected the dots. Oh yeah, I just get so angry. Sometimes I get furious. Oh, so there is a problem. I need to control everything. There is a, a, a problem. Oh no, I, I, I just, no, I can't do this. Oh, I'm afraid of failure. Oh, I have so much fear. Oh my word, I have so much fear. I shake with it. Well, why? What's wrong with your soul? Oh, I have no confidence in front of people. Well, why? What is wrong with your soul? Oh, I can't connect with people. Oh, none of my relationships work out. Oh, none of that. Well, why? What is wrong with your soul? Oh, I just never feel good about myself. Oh, I just go along to get along. Oh, I really don't have any opinion of my own. Wow, well, what's wrong with your soul? Oh, I have an opinion in every situation and I gotta let them know what, well, what's wrong with your soul? Oh, I gotta get the last word in. Oh, well, why? 
what's wrong with your soul? Oh, I got to be the best, really. And I got to put other people down. Well, why? What's wrong with you? So, well, well, I just don't like people. I just do not like. Well, why? What's wrong with your soul? These are all soul wounds. You know, the worst kind of wound is a soul wound. You have people, you have people who have no problem hurting their physical health when their emotional and mental health is not what it should be. You know, we have to find out what is wrong. That was a great prayer that David asked. And of course, he's a king. He's in a position of power to ask that question, oh God, search me and find out what's wrong with me. In fact, actually, if you remember his son, Solomon, when God asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He didn't talk about killing enemies. He didn't talk about, you know, giving me a joke or a bunch of uh, uh, shares of uh, Microsoft and Sun Microsystems. He didn't ask for that. He asked for wisdom to be able to guide God's people. And of course, God gave him wealth. David is kind of asking for the same kind of prayer. Take any hurtful way out of me. If you're hurt in your soul, you're going to hurt someone else. And that I can only imagine is a great example of that, a great example. In fact, actually, the father actually told his son not to have any dreams. He told his son not to have any dreams. And he, he built this little kind of house thing and the father took it away from him, look at, and just threw it in the trash. Don't have any dreams. Don't have any dreams. He was killing his dreams. Here's the thing though, when there is something unaddressed in your soul, you kill your own dreams. You actually kill your own dreams. They almost did not want to take this guy. Really, they, they almost did not want to take this guy. Yeah, the guy who essentially became his manager did believe in him. And he almost had this little session with him. And he said, there's something you're running from. What is it that you're running from? There's something in your soul. And the guy actually went back to address the issues with his father. Tell you as a psychotherapist, you don't need to do that. You know, there are people who have fathers, who have parents, who are dead. They don't need to be alive. In other words, they do not take your liberty, your freedom to the grave with them. No, no. But you do have to get God into your soul. That's how you get set free by letting God in and shining that light. You know, Jesus always knocks. No, Jesus doesn't do a SWAT job. You know, bangs the door in. He knocks on the door. God wants to be invited. God wants you to want to be more like him. God doesn't 
smother you. God doesn't force you. The Holy Spirit does not pull or push. He leads. He leads. He is a gentleman, not a politician, a gentleman. And so you have got to ask God, God, what is wrong with my soul? And no, nobody can actually say, oh, I'm all set. Oh, I'm all set. And the most miserable people say that they are all set. And they are so blind to that. The Pharisees were saying that to Christ, to God right in front of them. And God and said he was a Samaritan that had a demon. Oh, we're all set. Never, ever, ever say you are all set. Let me tell you the worst thing that can, that can really ravage a soul is pride. It's pride. This is why God hates it, because it will cause you to think you are all set when you are not. Arrogance blinds you, makes you look, makes you seem silly. Really, arrogant people do silly things. So you got to let God into your soul. Gone. There was two people uh, uh, praying, and Jesus gave this parable. One person getting down was so arrogant. Oh God. I thank God I'm not a sinner. You know, oh, I thank God I wasn't born a woman. <laughs> Essentially, it was a prayer. I'm so great. Oh, look at me. The other person, you know, oh, Lord God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Have mercy on me. That's how we want to be praying. Not like everything is right, but that everything is wrong in our soul. And it is when when our uh, measure, our metric is God, really. And so it's search me, oh God, it should be, God, I don't want to hurt anyone else. I want to have good relationships. You might have had broken relationships your entire life. They will continue to be broken. You know why? Because your soul is broken. Unless your soul is fixed, right? Unless your soul is healed, well, your relationships will not be really broken. Relationships are just a function of what spills out of your soul brokenness, brokenness. And so the prayer, the first prayer point is this is Lord God, search me, Lord God and fix whatever is wrong inside of my soul, Lord God. Fix whatever is wrong. I don't even know. It's become my normal for so long. I do not know what is normal or abnormal, Lord. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Father, we just praise your holy name. Father, we just pray that you, Lord God, would fix our souls, Father, Lord God. We do not want our normal to be measured by our own mind. We want it to be measured by you, Lord God. So I pray that you would fix my soul, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord God, <clears throat> give me the grace to no longer hurt in relationships, but to help others.
in relationships. Many people's relationships are being characterized by a trail of hurts all over the place. Now we want to change that to help look at uh, Berkowitz. What was it? 13 people he uh, shot. I know he didn't kill them all, but yeah, people who are yet yeah, murdered, one person blind, you know, another person wasn't able to hear. I mean, it was just a mess, carnage, a bloodbath. You know, many of us, of course, haven't done that, but we have a trail of emotional brokenness around. That one not talking to it, that one not talking to us. That person hurt people bitter because of us. You know, Lord God, I pray that you will give me the grace to be a helper, Lord God, to people and not a hurter of people. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Father, we praise your holy name, Lord God. Father, we pray that you will give us the grace to be helpers of people and not hurters, Lord God. Give us the grace, Father, Lord God, to no longer believe be leaving collateral damage behind us, Father, Lord God. Give us the grace, Father, Lord God, to uh, help fix people, not break people. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Next prayer point is this, Lord God, give me the grace for love to flow. You know, there's some people whose soul is so broken, they feel so detached, almost feel that they can't love people. Well, if you are saved, if you've come to know the Lord, Romans 5, 3 to 5 says that God has shed love abroad in your heart. And we're talking about divine love, not worldly love. There really is no such thing as worldly love uh, um, in, in terms of compared to the, the divine definition. There's no such thing as worldly love in terms of the divine definition because the divine definition is unconditional. It's unconditional. So that's what I am talking about. You give it not to get. You give it not to get but let me tell you something when you do give it you get anyway but you get from god so lord god give me the grace lord god to be able to manifest love to others including myself lord god wherever i feel detached we're almost sometimes lord god i felt that almost dead inside, Lord God. Let me come alive, Lord God. There's no better living than when you are loving. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just thank you. Just praise your holy name. Lord, I pray that you will give me the grace to be able to manifest love to others, Lord God. To myself, Father, Lord God, give me the grace to truly, truly be alive, Lord God. Sense my life, Lord God, live the abundant life, Lord God. Give me the grace that as I am living, I am loving others and myself, Lord God. 
I ask in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to do the uh, Karen call and pass it back to Sandy. So this is for people who don't know the Lord. Say, repeat this prayer with me, after me. Father Lord, I know I am a sinner. I know you shed your precious blood so that I might be saved. I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior, Lord God. And I know, Lord, that you will search me. I will know myself, Lord God. I will, will know, Father, Lord God, my ins and outs. I will be a person who no longer hurts, Father, that helps. And I will be your ambassador, Lord God. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay.